am um, one of our family pastors here at Christ Community, along with my husband, Pastor Greg, who is at home with the kids today so that I can be here with you. <laughs> um, and I just want to, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I just want to, um, I want to start by sharing some exciting news with you this past week. We Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Um, we had an awesome week this week. It was exciting. It was scary. It was a whirlwind. I think I slept. I'm not sure yet. Um, but this past week was supposed to be our youth summer camp. We plan all year for it. It's always in August. We start planning. We start planning the week after camp ends <laughs> um, the year before. So it is a long time of prepping, meeting, praying. Um, we were supposed to leave last Sunday. Um, and last Thursday, uh, Pastor Greg got a call that our campground that was going to be hosting us could no longer host us. Um, they, uh, through reading the governor, governor's executive orders, they understood it to mean that they could no longer host us at the campground. And so two days before we were supposed to leave, all of, uh, all of our leaders got a text, including me, this is how I found out, got a text from Pastor Greg that said, camp's off. <laughs> and we all went, what? <laughs> and... Um, what really stood out to me, what amazed me, we, have, uh, we had a camp staff of 15 leaders, and they all, the first thing they did was ask, okay, what do we do? What do you need us to do? What's the plan? They could have easily, they took the week off work to go to camp, so they could have easily been like, all right, <laughs> vacation, <laughs> week off, right? But they didn't. They asked, what do we do? What's the plan? How do we make this happen? We, you know, we know God has something planned. What's the plan? So Greg said, all right, we'll get back to you with a plan. So we found out at 2 o'clock that we couldn't have camp. By 4 o'clock, we had a plan that was submitted to the elders. We met with the elders via Zoom at 6 o'clock and said, here's our plan. And they said, all right, go for it. By uh, 8 o'clock, or 7 o'clock, we met with our staff and said, all right, guys, here's the new plan. And then by 9 o'clock, we had met with all the parents. We did, or we did a Facebook Live video that said, you know, these are the changes for camp. And so in just a matter of hours, our entire camp that we had planned a year for changed, just like that. And we went with it. And the leaders were amazing. But honestly, without their push, we probably, <laughs> Pastor Greg and I probably would have been like, all right, well, <laughs> oh, well, next year. <laughs> But, with that, you know, it was their push that got us to go, okay, we need to have a plan. We need to keep moving. And it just showed me so much grit and determination that they knew that God was going to move. They knew that this week had been set apart for our students. And so we were going to go with it. And we did. And we had an awesome week. In fact, um, we had 42 students, I believe, um, 42 teens here. We had camp here at the church. We didn't spend the night, um, but we had our workshops here. We had services here, activities. We had a meal together every day. And honestly, everything that is supposed to happen at camp happened last week. Relationships were built. Friendships were made. Kids were reaching out to new kids that came. Um, and God moved in a, in a mighty way. So it was it was amazing. The only thing missing was, you know, we didn't get a bonfire, the s'mores. I'm a little disappointed about that. But 
you know, we can do that another time. <laughs> we can do that another time. But what I, again, what I really learned this week and what I was so impressed by in our leaders was their grit. And even in our students, that they came and they were like, okay, this is different, but we're going to do it. We're rolling with it. And it showed so much determination and grit. So that's what I want to talk to you about today is developing spiritual grit. So Angela Lee Duckworth, she is the author of the book Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Um, so she left her job to become a junior high public school teacher. And it's there that she observed her students um, and she began to develop her theories on grit. So she taught seventh grade, which it takes grit to teach <laughs> seventh grade. But what she noticed about her students was that it wasn't always the fastest that won the race. It, always, it wasn't always the smartest that got the best score on the test. And so she started to think, you know, well, what is it? What is it in these students that causes them to go further or, you know, do better, go higher? And she found that it was grit, that they had something inside of them, a determination to keep moving. And so she defines grit as passion and perseverance for long-term goals. It's about the long term. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a passion or a deep commitment to something that is higher than ourselves. So as Christians, having spiritual grit means tapping into a well that is deeper than just try harder, be better, do better, right? It's tapping into the Holy Spirit and his strength inside of us. Just as in the um, Hebrews, right, the author says, I run the race with endurance. We have to have endurance to run the marathon. It's not just a sprint. And so our passion is Jesus. If grit is designed as passion and perseverance for long-term goals, our passion is Jesus. But what is our long-term goal? As I was thinking about this last night, I thought, oh, well, heaven, right? But then I, then I really started to think about it, and I thought, well, heaven isn't really a long-term goal. Because if you think about it, it's immediate, Right? Like when I accept Jesus as my Savior, I immediately can enter into heaven. I can accept Jesus and two seconds later die and I'm in heaven. That's pretty fast. That's not long term. Now, it might take me a long time to get there if I live a long life, but that's not my long term goal. Our long term goal is discipleship. Right? If we're going to live on earth, with a passion for Jesus, then discipleship is our long-term goal, to follow him wherever he leads, no matter what happens. And so we need to develop this spiritual grit, this determination to follow him, however long that might be. And so with that, we also, we need to teach our children how to have spiritual grit, so I'm speaking to all of you, I'm speaking to you as parents, but I'm also speaking to you as our church body. That even if you don't have your own children, you are responsible for the children in this church. We have classrooms full of kids, and you're responsible for them, whether you like it or not, sorry. <laughs> you are, because you are a part of the body of Christ. And so you are to be a living example to them of what it means to have spiritual grit. They're watching you. And so I'm speaking to all of you today about how do we teach our kids to have spiritual grit. Um, in the book, uh, Spiritual Grit, it's by Rick Lawrence. It's a great book. Um, it's, he says, the most damaging outcome of our overly empathetic choices as parents 
is that we sap our kids' strength. And the most damaging outcome of a formulas and recipes approach to our spiritual lives is that we siphon passion away from our relationship with Jesus. Right? We don't want our kids to get hurt. We don't want them to experience pain. So we tend to do things for them or we try to help them avoid that pain. But it's that pain that helps develop grit, develop endurance and a passion with Jesus. When we make Christianity just about formulas and recipes, memorize these verses, say these words, right? Where's the passion in that? How are you going to have long-term discipleship with, with that? Um, I have two children. I have um, a daughter. She's five years old and a son. He's almost three. And um, when I first had my daughter, I had a lot of anxiety. I, I do. I suffer from anxiety. I suffer from panic attacks. It's just, it's, that's who I am. And it happens. Um, and I know, you know, I'm, I've learned how to deal with it. I've learned how to live with it. But I, it was really bad when I first had my daughter. And I just kept praying, like, God, I don't want anything to happen to her. Don't let anything happen to her. Like, she's just a little baby, and she was so cute, and it had taken so long for us to have her, and it just, that was my prayer, God, don't let anything happen to her, and um, through all of this anxiety, I was, you know, reading blogs and trying to figure out how to walk through it, and I read a blog by a lady who was saying the same thing, that when she had children, she had prayed the same thing, God, don't let anything happen to them, and what she realized, that by praying that, nothing was going to happen to her children, by praying nothing, I pray nothing happens to them. Well, then nothing's going to happen. Maybe nothing bad will happen, but nothing good's going to happen either, right? We can't just shelter our children and keep them inside because that's never going to teach them anything. What kind of life is that, right? What kind of life is life without adventure? And you can't have adventure without risks, right? And even Jesus says in John 15, if they hate me, they will hate you. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. We can't hide our kids from that. If you're, if you're following Jesus without taking risks, you're not following Jesus. It is a risk to follow Jesus. We have to take these risks. And, you know, we have so many what ifs. What if this happens? What if I let my kids go and they get hurt? What if I, you know, what if I let my kids go to this camp and they pick up a bad habit? Or what if I let them go to this friend's house and something happens to them? We can have what ifs all day long, but we need to flip those what ifs to what if I don't let them go? What are they missing out on? What if I don't let them go to camp? Well, then they're missing out on an encounter with Jesus. What if I don't let them go, you know, to this person's house? Well, then maybe they're missing out on an opportunity to be a light, to share their, um, to share their faith or to stand up in the face of temptation. We have to teach them to have that strength because one day they're going to go into the world. And if we don't teach them to have that strength when they're in our homes, how are they going to do it when they're outside of our homes, right? So we try to keep our kids away from things that they're meant to be. It is through pain and suffering that produces endurance, produces strength, produces ultimately our faith, right? Think of the people you want children to emulate, right? Think of leaders. Think of a leader off the top of your head, someone in the past, even in history, right? Did they sit at home all day or did they stand up? Did they stand up for injustices no matter what it took? Did they stand up for right, what was right, even though it's not easy, I'm reading these books to my kids right now. I just found they're called um, Ordinary People Who Change the World. 
And um, they're really cute books. They're kids' books, but they're all about, like, leaders. We read about Martin Luther King Jr., and um, we read about uh, Harriet Tubman and Neil Armstrong. They have a Walt Disney one that I'm going to get. And <laughs> they're super, super awesome. But one of the main things they keep talking about um, is that it wasn't easy, but it was right. I want my kids to, like, live by that. It wasn't easy, but it was right. Right? Now, of course, we want our kids to be safe. That's a given. We want our kids to be safe. But they need to grow core strength so they can per persevere, so that they can make it to that long-term goal of discipleship. So we have to remember that hardships aren't bad. They're just opportunities. Pastor Greg spoke on this a couple weeks ago, right, when he talked about new wineskins and new wine. He said to look at it as not bad, but as a new opportunity. That's what we did this week with camp. It was a new opportunity. Okay, this is completely different than anything we've done before, but it's an opportunity. And it was amazing. And I think the lesson in it that, you know, of persevering that we kept going was an even bigger message than any sermon we could have spoke. Um, but hardships help us to stay spiritually fit. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, it says, But we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So um, this Angela Duckworth, the author of um, this book about grit, she kind of has brought this idea of grit into popularity. She did a TED Talk on it and stuff. And she has these um, stages of how to build grit in your child. She says that we need to um, cultivate their interests. What are they interested in? Focus on their interests to build their inner strength before strengthening their weakness. Then she says we need to practice. Help your children practice setting goals and achieving those goals. Give them a purpose, something that is beyond self-motivation, something beyond self, a purpose, um, for those goals, and then ultimately hope. Foster a growth mindset that when they're faced with opposition, instead of stopping, helping them to learn how to grow through that. How can I grow through this, you know, opportunity? So I took those from her perspective, and I flipped them and um, lined them up with the verse Romans 5, suffering, endurance, character, and hope. So I'm going to kind of parallel these two. So her thing was you need to um, cultivate their interests, right? Cultivate an inner strength. How do you cultivate inner strength? Through suffering, right? Um, think about um, when you work out like at a gym. When you do, because I don't. When you work out at a gym, <laughs> what do you do? When you are, you know, building muscle, what you're ultimately doing to build muscle is you're actually tearing the muscle. You're ripping it, and it builds it stronger, and it's painful. That's why I don't do it, but I hear from people that it's a good pain, right? My, hu <laughs> like my husband, when he works out, I have to hear about it for like three days afterward. Oh, I'm so sore, <laughs> but they talk about it's like a good sore, right? Like, because you know you did something, and it's, um, it's building your strength, so suffering builds our spiritual strength, right? It hurts, 
But we have to do it because it helps us to grow. It helps us to build. And so when our children are suffering, we have to expect more rather than doing for. The first thing we want to do is always do it for them, right? We always want to do it for them because we don't want them to suffer. But we have to start expecting more because that's how they learn. Even Jesus, when people asked him to help them, God, heal me, or, you know, Lord, heal me, do this miracle, he always did it, but first asked them to invest their own courage and determination, whether it was through, you know, asking them to do something or asking them questions, right? Asking them, do you really want to be healed? Well, of course I really want to be healed. I just told you I want to be healed. <laughs> but they had to invest in their healing. And so Jesus did it for them, but first he expected more. And that's what we need to teach our children instead of just doing everything for them, right? We're no longer infants in our relationship with Jesus, so he won't do everything for us. If we did, we'd never grow, and growth is his focus. So we have to expect the same thing with our children. Do you still feed, like spoon feed, an 8-year-old? Do you dress a 13-year-old? Do you do your 16-year-old's homework? Some people might, but it's frowned upon. <laughs> right? We allow our kids to grow in other areas. We tell them, you know, toughen up. You got to do it. Why don't we let them do that spiritually? Why do we always try and do it for them? All right, the second thing. So suffering produces endurance. So according to Duckworth, she said we have to practice, help them practice setting and achieving goals. Well, what that does is it produces endurance. When you set a goal and achieve it over and over, you're producing this endurance. Um, this past year, um, during the quarantine time for schooling, um, we... I don't know what you call, grow, harvested, caterpillars. We ordered caterpillars over the internet. <laughs> and um, we watched them grow into fat caterpillars, and then they turned into a chrysalis. And um, then we got to set them free, which was totally cool, and one landed on my daughter's hand. It was the coolest thing ever. But what we learned, and they have in the directions, is that you cannot touch the um, butterfly when they're coming out of their chrysalis or cocoon. I don't know why they're not called cocoons anymore. It's a chrysalis. I don't know when that changed. Probably when Pluto became not a planet anymore. Um, but the butterfly, when they're coming out of the chrysalis, you can't touch them because they have to work their wings themselves. If you were to cut the chrysalis and to try and help them out, they would die because their wings wouldn't be strong enough. They develop strength in their wings by through the suffering and through the endurance of coming out of the chrysalis. That's how they fly away. It's the same with our children. We have to allow them to suffer and practice and have endurance. We can't clip their wings, right? We've got to let them develop their wings and strengthen their wings. So one day when they do fly the nest, <laughs> oh, that's birds, fly the chrysalis, <laughs> I don't know, um, that they have strong wings, right? That they can endure anything that they face. All right, so suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. As Duckworth calls it, she calls it purpose. I call it character. It's who we are in Christ. It's going beyond the self, right? Our purpose is to go beyond self-motivation. Um, so many times we try and improve ourselves, improve our character through self-help books. Self-help books focus on self. Guess what the Bible doesn't want you to focus on? Self. <laughs> right? 
We are to focus on the outside and our dependence on Jesus. Character is who we are in Christ, not what we do. So it's teaching our children that your character is who you are in Christ, being dependent on Christ, right? When we endure struggles and endure suffering, it's not about what we do. It's about what we do through Christ or what, actually what Christ does through us. That's our character. It's our heart and not our actions. And then lastly is hope. Character produces hope. She, Duckworth talks about fostering a growth mindset. It's resilience in the face of failure, right? When you, failure is good because you learn from it. You grow from it. Every innovator, inventor, um, entrepreneur, they will tell you that failure is good because you learn from it, right? I think there's a popular quote by Thomas Edison, like, I didn't fail 99 times. I just found 99 ways that it didn't work or something like that. You'd think I'd know it for how much time I spend at Greenville Village, but I don't. Um, but anyways, failure is good. You learn from it, right? And this verse in Romans 5, it says, hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint because faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So even if I have this itty little bit of hope, I have faith, enough faith to move mountains. So spiritual grit is facing uncertainty with faith and hope. In a year like this, 2020, we can face it with hope. Yes, there's been suffering. For some people, some people have suffered way more than others. For some, it's just been a minor inconvenience, right? We have to wear a mask. But for some people, it's been really, you know, a big, big um trial. They've lost jobs. They've lost family members, lost friends. This year's been rough, but through it, it is giving us endurance, right? And it is strengthening us and giving us character, helping us to look out for others, which ultimately is producing hope inside of us, which leads to faith, strong faith. And that's what we want for the next generation. We want them to have strong faith. And the best way to build grit in our children is to model it for them right? We have to do what needs to be done. When we see something, when we some, see someone in need, we do it. When we see a job that needs to be done, we do it. That's what I saw from our leaders this week was there was something that needed to be done, we will do it, whatever needs to be done. They were sanitizing things every night. They were wearing gloves and we were taking temperatures and asking silly questions when the kids came in. And, but we had to do it, right? And we did it. And it took spiritual grit, and, but it modeled it to our students. And so I encourage, I don't, I don't encourage, I challenge you. I challenge you to exercise your spiritual mother, mothers, no, muscles. Exercise your spiritual <laughs> muscles. I don't know where mothers came from. <laughs> um, exercise your spiritual muscles, right, and produce that spiritual grit. All right, will you stand with me? I'm mixing up words, which means it's time for me to be done. Let's pray.